And they kind of looked at me and they said the answer was, was alcohol. Tom Caulfield, James Whistle. This is the story of The Tempest 2. So ladies and gentlemen, The Tempest 2. Hello there. We're in. We're back. Week two of the new revamped podcast. Consistency is already. It's already. <laughs> we're ahead of the game already. We made it to week two, so I think that's worth a little pat on the back already. It certainly is. Uh, good week. Good week. Your end. I mean, yeah. I know your week. We all we do is talk to <laughs> talk, talk to each other all week. So good week. But it's been. A, it has been a good week, isn't it? It's been a good productive week. A couple of days in. Uh, in London, a uh, couple of keynotes, a couple of virtual ones, one face-to-face one. So we're coming back. The comeback's on. I tell you what, the the virtual keynote was it was actually a great one, wasn't it? Like... Yeah, it was. It was very good. So I guess for um, a bit of like a reference or context, virtual keynotes completely replaced the face-to-face. You know, standing on stage, speaking in front of a group room full of people. Uh, obviously, when COVID hit, and there was definitely a period of it being strange for everyone, wasn't there? I mean, yeah, like some of them are good, some of them were pretty rubbish. The weird thing is, is when you're delivering a talk on stage, like you know, a lot of the delivery is almost influenced by the audience. So you might have, you know, when we gave that talk to Randstad, for example, there was 300 basically Essex lads in the audience who were all pissed. And it was like, they were just like going meant they were chanting and stuff like that. So it kind of gives you the energy. Yeah. But when you're on a Zoom call, you know, you, there's no reference to how, you know, if jokes are landing, if anyone's watching, you know, are they engaged? So it's like a completely different, yeah i guess atmosphere but the one we did the other day you know we've given some in the past where you know you're just staring at at karen in her spare room with a washing behind her just like you're clearly on her phone and it's like, oh god this is awful um yeah. but like we gave a talk to they were a company called hacker rank based in san francisco kind of big tech company and how many people were on there 300 just over yeah just north of 300 but- but a lot of them were based in India. Their development team were in India, I think. But like the chat was absolutely flying, wasn't it? They were just, they were just like so engaged. I've never yeah. seen kind of a company more engaged on a virtual thing. Like even when their CEO was talking, they were like, "Woo!" Like, yeah, it was, it yeah. was amazing. To be fair to them, because I think it's quite hard to do. But you yeah. just, they all came with huge amount of energy, didn't they? It was, uh, yeah, it was good. So shout out to them and uh, be more like Hackerank if you're doing a virtual yeah. conference. Uh, yeah, you got to really go for it. So that was that was really good fun, actually. When was that? Uh, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. It was uh, it was a good one. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, and um, no, it's it's always good like chatting to people, and we've got some good questions, and uh, yeah, <laughs> went back and forth. But no, good day, good good uh, good busy week. What else has been going on in in your world? Any cinema trips? Yeah, I went last night. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. I'm still playing catch up. I'm I'm off yeah. to Ava- see Avatar tonight. But uh, yes, there you go. See, trying to trying to get there. But what was it? What was the film yesterday? Oh, uh, I don't want to talk about some absolute garbage with Antonio Banderas. It was shit. Manny booked it. I had no say in it. I, I literally googled it halfway through, uh, and the Rotten Tomato score was like 
ten percent. Why are we? You've got to do. You've got to do your research. Yeah, a bit of due diligence, please, guys. Um, so you do get some misses. Apart from that, um, I've been trying to beat Kate Winslet's breath hold. uh, Yes, last week. Absolutely. I'm. I'm keen to hear. Firstly what the benchmark was, what the first breath hold was with zero training. So I I started Googling it after our chat last week and there were some YouTube videos from freedivers and stuff like that, but it was a bit, you know, it was a bit inconsistent and it was just random stuff. So I, I downloaded an app, spent eight pounds on an app to really immerse <laughs> myself into this world. Um, And so this app's quite good, actually. It's almost like a meditation app, but purely for... It's like breath hold training with the intention of increasing your breath hold. It's for like free divers. So what's it called? Yeah. Shout it out. Oh God. Um, it is called <laughs> Memory. Stamina. Stamina. S T A Mina. So I think S T A means something in that world. Right. Um, but it's an apnea trainer. Um, which sounds like it's trying to solve snoring, doesn't it? Yeah, but, oh yeah, um... yeah. You you sent me a picture and I thought you were struggling with sleep apnea. Um, no, but yeah, no. I've, I've forgotten that it was, the, it was that. So the way it works is you do your baseline score. So, you know, you, you rest for one minute and then you hold your breath for as long as you can. I did uh, one minute 30, which I think is pretty garbage. I'm not really sure. Um, but then ever since then, you know, every day you do these like tables and you do a CO2 day and then an O2 day. And basically you, you basically go through this almost like a, a circuit where you're either holding your breath longer each time or reducing the rest each time to kind of either restrict O2 or restrict CO2. Anyway, a little bit boring. Um, <laughs> I've switched it, off. <laughs> yes, like, right, we'll, we'll cut all of that. Uh, but within a week, so I'm now up to two minutes, 15. So 45 second increase in a week, that's... which isn't not quite Kate Winslet level, considering she only did it for no, that's good. That's three a, weeks. That's a fifty percent increase on your original it's, time. It's, it's quite big, isn't it? Yeah, that that's that's good. Very good. Um, and how and much time quite... a day do you reckon? Uh, well, it's getting this is the issue. It's getting longer now. I'm 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 not far from bailing on it to be honest, because <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's now like seventeen minutes. Right. I'm sat there like, oh fuck it, oh, come on! And yeah. I can't sit still for more than five without without just getting completely bored or whipping out Instagram. Let, let's. Um, you thought I was going to say something else there? Yeah. <laughs> whipping out <laughs> Instagram. It's like, oh, whilst I'm here, <laughs> I've got 17 minutes. Get a couple in. Um, oh god. Um, but you've got to do it, I think, if you can, for the three weeks, and just to see how how you get on. Hopefully, you get to the. I don't know, something a bit more impressive. Hope you get to the amount where we might have been able to rescue that GoPro. <laughs> yeah, mate, I'll go back to Fuchsia and try and get it. <laughs> um, but what's interesting, I, I, I was in my research, apparently if you put your head in water, it increases your breath hold immediately. Increases? Increases, because you get, and I remember reading it in that book, um, Deep, about free diving, that when you a human puts their face in water, like your capillaries open, it's like a... It's called like a aquatic reflex or something like that. Right. Because obviously we evolved from the ocean billion years ago, whatever. Um, and that reflex is still in us that it actually increases your your breath hold. That's um, that is interesting. I would have said the exact opposite. Yeah. yeah. I, I would have presumed that out of water would have been an easier one. But no, apparently it's significantly longer when you're even if your just face is in a bath, you would yeah. hold it for longer. 
So I've there got, I am tomorrow. I've, I've got a plan. I've got a plan for me. There's a there's a good good natural body of water near me. You can okay. come over and we'll do a little film of you doing a breath hold in the water. It's like Hang twenty on. seconds. <laughs> natural body of water sounds almost quite sinister. Is it just some <laughs> fucking reservoir? Just no, it is. <laughs> it is. Is it clean though? No, it's 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 very clean. It's an old quarry, so apparently clean. But on the other hand, it is where the police spent a good couple of weeks looking for a missing child. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> okay, she wasn't there, and she was found. But it is it's that sort of reservoir. She wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't there. How she was big home. is it? If they were there, a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, it wasn't a couple of weeks. It must have been a couple of days. But anyway, that's uh, that. Can we could put that on the agenda for a couple of weeks' time? What, so drag me into a reservoir and, and see how long I can hold my breath? <laughs> see how long you can actually hold your breath, because we're all just taking your word for it at the moment. We so need this, some this... sort of proof. Okay, on that, let's let's, let's stick with this this breath hold thing. So as as I said last week, I'm, I'm reading David Goggins' book at the moment, and I'm still giving him a chance, a little bit cringy at points. But like, I think actually the entire book is going to be about just one thing, which is actually mental, which is the Navy SEAL training. Right. Uh, and how wow. he went, you know, from big, fat, 350-pound dude to smashing this training and stuff. But a lot of it is in the water. And one of the things they do is, you know, um, you know, bind your ankles and your wrists behind your back and stuff and just shove you in a pool, basically. It's called, like, the drown test. Um, sounds, so they, sounds, sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was kind of saying that, you know, it's just absolutely brutal and they have to train themselves to hold their breath under pressure and all that kind of stuff. So, hey, this breath holding stuff, it pops up, pops up Blimey. here and there, doesn't it? Yeah, that is, uh, I mean, you can't really fail that one, can you? That's pretty brutal. But well, in one of his, in one of his um, kind of like tests, a bloke died. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. In the pool. He had That's... like severe pneumonia um, from the like ocean one where they're running on the beach and all that bee sting. Yeah, uh, got in the pool and uh, yeah, and died. Couldn't resuscitate him. Blimey, that's so, that's insane. That yeah. does kind of lead me, lead us on to the the next segment, the adventure mindset segment, where we'll basically take something from something that clearly displays this adventure mindset, and we'll have a bit of a, a chat around it. And there's a bit of a natural one, the things that's been in the news recently, but it's also quite linked to what we've just been talking about. Uh, and that is the insane place in Portugal called uh, Nazare. Some of you guys will know it, the the big wave spot, the biggest wave spot in the world. Um, and unfortunately, last week, there was actually a death there. Uh, a Brazilian surfer called Marcio Freire, a.k.a. Mad Dog. Um, a.k.a. Old boy. Mad Dog. Oh, yeah. what, a, what a nickname. Oh, no, so, you... Just call me Mad Dog. <laughs> yeah. You got to get that name if you're surfing hundred foot waves. To be fair, um, but yeah, he and he was interestingly because you know you see the video, you see the footage of that place. It is absolutely bonkers. He is the first surfer to die there in a crash. So or, although it it looks bonkers, it looks mad. Um, yeah, unfortunately, he's the, he's the first guy. That is surprising that he's the first person to die. Actually, yeah. There's been some close calls, isn't there? Like people being resuscitated and stuff. But I guess the barrier to get into those waves is pretty high in terms of like you have to be elite. Yeah, and uh, yeah, go on, t tell tell the story about our uh, exploration into the world of Nazare and uh, yeah. whether we could bomb a hundred foot wave. So when uh, you know talking about that barrier of it being elite, so 
when we finished LCAP, we were looking for the next adventure. This was during COVID. We were like, right, what can we do? And um, we were like, what about, you know, going from never standing, well, I've never stood up on a, a surfboard. You know, we, in one of the last podcasts, we we're talking about the wave and whatnot. And just surfing is just one of those things. Wish I was mustered at it, but it's just so hard. So it's like, what if we could go from basically bumbling around on the kids wave um, at the wave pool in, in Bristol to surfing the most infamous big wave on the planet? So we we literally were like looking at it. We we got hold of of Cotty Andrew Cotton, who's you know the most famous British uh, big wave surfer in the world. He's you know one of the most like the founding fathers of Nazare. If you've seen that documentary, a hundred foot wave, you'll know who he is. Um, spoke to him, being like, right, uh, just exploring this. What do you think? Because you know whenever we think of an adventure, whether it's the climb, whether it's the row, whether it's Patagonia, we always speak to someone who really knows what they're talking about to sense check it are we being ridiculous is this possible is this overly dangerous is it arrogant and um you know spoke to him on the phone for half an hour and he it was really interesting how he broke it down like we always say when you speak to fully elite level people in a certain discipline the way they rationalize things is 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 just very different to the everyday surfer and he was like right you don't need to learn how to you know really surf you don't need to become an amazing surfer. You just need to be able to get towed into a wave and do not fall off. But he was like, you will fall off. And he was like, and this is where the thing comes in. If you fall off, you need to be able to hold your breath for minutes at a time whilst being, you know, dragged meters underwater, you know, washing machine barreled, completely destroyed yeah. like five or six times. And he was like, that is something you can't, cheat you can't fast track that although i'm pretty sure i'm fast tracking it right now <laughs> you ever heard of stamina cotty yeah, have you ever heard of kate winslet um but he was like you know that that takes years of practice of experience because there's one thing holding your breath with your face in the bath but there's something holding your breath whilst you know a 60 foot wave has just landed on top of you yeah. and he's like and, that, and that's you know your chance of survival is is fairly slim so it's like right cool we'll throw that one in the bin yeah it, it, so even for like a, a professional like that, well, and obviously, you know, this guy who's died last week, there's so much that you can't control either in it. It's just, it's pretty, pretty brutal. And uh, yeah, I mean, for those of you, I'm, I'm making the assumption that everyone knows what Nazar is. Uh, if you don't, I've got some facts for you. Come on, I've, throw them. I've done a bit of research, guys. This pod is legit. <laughs> <laughs> None of it's sourced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Got it off some Medium blog. Right, number one. Um, bodyboarders have actually been riding the wave for over 100 years. So it's been a popular bodyboard spot for uh, many years now. Shut up. Um, I don't know if it's safer or something like that, but yeah, local bodyboards. And it wasn't until... 2011, when an uh, American surfer, Garrett McNamara, surfed a massive wave uh, that it went mainstream and like started what? going in the media. Bodyboarders? Little boogie like, boarders. <laughs> aren't they like, in, in surf culture, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't they just the nerds? <laughs> yeah, that's what they say, isn't it? It's uh, those that can't surf bodyboard. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, I remember when I was young, I used to uh, I used to inline skate. <laughs> and I, thought it was, I thought it was wicked. And then like, I'd go to like a skate shop to buy like, you know, a chain for my wallet or something. And uh, <laughs> all the skateboarders like, you know, inliners are 
fucking nerds. It's like, oh no, I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, I'm buying a skateboard I, now. Yeah, that's it. I feel like bodyboarders are the equivalent. Yeah, I think you're bang on. So maybe we should bodyboard it. <laughs> that would be insane. That almost feels more insane because yeah, it's like yeah. bodyboard just reminds you know when you're like ten years old on holiday with your parents and you just go to a beach in Europe and you just buy a bodyboard. And you just get pummeled for like yeah, exactly. <laughs> just surfing so a hundred foot wave on a tea tray, just <laughs> ridiculous. That is, yeah, that could be something to explore. I didn't realise that. That's a good fact. Yeah, thank you. Um, season is October to February, so it's very much pumping at the moment. Uh, they all seem to be down there. Um, a lot of questions people ask: Why are the waves so big there? And the answer involves several aspects. I'm just reading this now. Um, you the can't tell. The, ex- <laughs> the existence of a canyon within a few kilometers. Anyway, that's boring. Basically, is a canyon off the coast, which makes these massive waves pump when you get the right winds. Um, finally, there's a surfer who just last year broke the record: a 115 foot wave. A German surfer called Sebastian Sturtner. So fair play to him. And if you do want to find out more or you know about it, but you want some, you want to watch some stuff on it. There's a film that you mentioned, 100 Foot Wave. Um, There's a film called Riding Giants, which is actually about that Garrett McNamara. When he goes back to Nazarene, he surfs an absolute monster. Uh, And then there's another surfing film called The Momentum Generation. And they're all very good documentaries. So highly recommend it. If you're looking for something to watch over the weekend, in the evening or just at lunchtime. There you go. <laughs> Nazare statue. Watch, yeah, watch <laughs> it now if you haven't got a job. <laughs> watch it now if you're bored of these facts. Uh, but no, that's the end of that's the end of the stat stat session. Yeah, I've got a, I've actually got a um a query on you know you right. said that they the guy he, he rode the 115 foot wave. I'm just the him. messenger. I'm just the no, messenger. No, 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 no. It's not it's not about that. It's in that documentary, every year they have like the awards, don't they? The XXL uh, yeah. Wave yeah. Award or whatever. And I always thought when I was watching that, the way that they measure <laughs> the size of the wave is fucking mental. Yeah. So they basically, they find a photo, and this is very reminiscent of, you know, when you like, you hold out your thumb and close one eye and be like, okay, that's roughly four thumbs wide. So oh, that'd be all right. It's basically like my DIY skills. <laughs> they, they take the height of the person. Yeah. on the image and then they essentially go like right okay from the bottom of the wave that is roughly 55 james whittles so yeah. we'll round it up to you know x amount exactly it's very sketchy it's the it's, way they do it it's like men as well probably adding a good 40 percent onto the size aren't they as per <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so, like, so that's roughly nine and a half inches <laughs> perfect yeah, ideal, bigger above, than average. Some say <laughs> above average, of course. Um, yeah, it's like I write, I'm five nine on uh, all the forms I fill out. Or yeah. at, the theme, at the theme park, I'm five nine. I'm actually five eight and three quarters. Yeah. So I round it up. <laughs> yeah, I can actually barely get on the rides, but I'm five yeah. nine. Wear a bobble hat. Um, but yeah, so that that was one thing I thought was uh, a little bit dubious, you know, in yeah. terms of uh, setting records. But I guess I mean, probably the only no, way they can do it. I'm not going to argue with it. No, we don't want to take away from the amazing achievement. Um, but what I think, what I think is interesting about that is, you know, they Nazare as a destination, as you said, was completely unknown for years, apart from some nerdy bodyboarders. And then, you know, that um, uh, McNamara went there, kind of put it on the map, and now 
the, the Portuguese, well, the kind of the local constituency anyway, have made Nazare this like destination. You know, thousands of people flock there now. It's boosted the economy massively. Yeah. Portugal are very good at that, aren't they? Because, they are, like, you know, during COVID, you know, they they created that almost like like digital nomad passport, didn't they? They had that, that golden visa type um, scheme where they're basically trying to attract people who could now work from anywhere to come and work from Portugal and, you know, get, you know, tax reductions and whatnot. And there's that little uh, fishing village that is it Ericeira, it's called. Yeah. It's just off, just off the, uh, well, on the coast, about, you know, 10 miles from Lisbon. Now we know three, three or four people who are like based there full time now. Yeah. And it's just because they've like seen this opportunity and they've made it this destination. Um, and now like loads of people who work for companies all over the world just are based in this random little fishing village in, in Portugal. They're they're pretty good at that, they're pretty on that Portugal in terms of brand plays for the for the actual country. Yeah, it's pretty uh it's pretty good of them, isn't it? We're yeah, uh... the, the Algarve is just lovely for golf as well. So there you yeah, go. exactly. I don't know if it would have the same effect if you put it on, you know, you can move to lower stuffed or something like that and uh, get a bit where? of tax relief. Where? It's on the coast on the in the east of England. You've picked somewhere that I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, but no one had, had heard of Erisera hey, before there the, you go. Uh, there before you the go. campaign. Right, right, let's move on. Let's move on to the next segment. Uh, so we put out, if you follow us on Instagram, we put a little question out there to, to get an idea of what people's bucket list adventure might be. Uh, We've got some good responses. We've selected one uh, from Joshua, good lad Joshua, who uh, we just feel like we've got a little bit of uh, experience to speak to this one. And he wants to live out of a camper van, which on the surface sounds fantastic. Yeah. Um, the reality, I believe, can be very, very different. Well, this is why So <clears throat> I kind of sent you that one in a text to be like, I think you should speak on this one because you have firsthand experience in this. And, mm. you know, he said, you know, sell, sell everything, leave your job, live out of a camper van and just like travel the world, which I think for years there's been this Instagram reality of van life, hasn't it? Hashtag van life where, you know, you work from anywhere. One morning you're surfing, the next morning you're, you know, up a mountain and the views are great and you've got your, your coffee brewing and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I've never really fallen for that 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 pipe dream uh, because I hate camping. It's shit, um, <laughs> and I love a nice hotel. But you got sucked into that reality. You bought your van a couple of years ago. Talk us through the the reality of hashtag van life, and you know if it you know could it be something you could do? What what drew you into it, uh, and, and what have you found? Yeah, firstly. Van life is absolutely something I think you can do, but old Josh would need to sell everything. And I think buy a brand new mustard one that is amazing because a lot of people and a lot of people that you see on Instagram and all that sort of stuff are converting their own vans or they're buying secondhand vans, you know, making the space in the back, um, which is closer to what I've got. And I, you know, bought the van at like 130,000 miles which you're just inheriting a lot of problems and underestimating the vehicle in the whole thing is, is a big, big component uh, and a crucial error on my part. So firstly, 
people think it's cost effective. If you buy a secondhand van, it's the opposite of cost effective, even if you're living out of it. Um, you know, things will go wrong on it a lot all the time. Uh, so there's like the vehicle side of things. And then there's just the living, which, you know, it is, it is cool. You know, when we've gone and, and camped in it, obviously it's like a great camping. You're in a double bed. It's warm. Um, you've got power in there. So you're watching your Netflix, all that, all that good stuff. That's great. And you wake up and you're basically outside. That stuff's wicked. But obviously you've got no space. There's no toilet uh that you, you kind of lose out on your basic luxuries and stuff as well so um it's doable but it would be amazing in a brand new like a sprinter or a crafter size van like a, a, a big a much bigger one where you can actually stand up in it fully you can have a little walk around you your kitchen's not on your bed and your toilet's not under your bed you know all that sort of stuff um but there's potential in it but I reckon you've probably got to spend about hundred grand for it to be good. So I feel like there's there's two sides to van life, isn't there? There's the recreational van life where yeah. you know I, I've done the Route One in a it wasn't a van, it was a a Winnebago essentially. It was a yeah. massive thing, and it was wicked. You know, it's such an easy way to get around. You can do what you want. But when people talk about it like it's now a way of life, I'm going to do it full time. Bollocks! Um, yeah. That must be shite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I think you, that's people who are working from there, they, you know, earning a living, they're doing the remote work from there and stuff. And I think that's, unless maybe you're in, I don't know, if you're in Portugal or somewhere where it's, you know, warm most of the time, and that's a difference in the UK as well. A lot of the time, the weather's crap. So you are literally confined to inside the van. When the weather's nice, you know, you can open all the doors, you get the awning out and the space kind of fills out a little bit and it feels a bit better. But um, yeah, working and living full time out of it. Part of the thing that makes the van good when we've been out on it is that it's like you pack it up, you go away, and then like three days later, you're back at home again and you get to wash all the sheets, you know, and, and clean it all out and stuff. Whereas if you're living in it permanently, whew, I don't know. But some people are very much built different. You know, we said the same about the dirtbag climbers. But yeah, Honold, Honold lived in a van for seven years. Yeah. But I like, I feel like there's this, there's this probably slightly jaded view on, you know, a lot of people now, you know, they, they work remotely. So they just spend their whole time, you know, working abroad and traveling there and great. And actually I used to be like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. Like, especially in the winter now, like the weather is so shit and you're just like, <laughs> oh my God, like they're there. But it's also quite nice to have a house yep. or a home yep. where like, you know, all your stuff is yeah yeah, exactly and like you can you can do what you want with it and like you're not staying in someone else's house or always moving around or so i think there's a balance like i can understand the allure of van life but to do it full time like there's a couple of shows i can't remember what channel they're on like bbc where they literally follow people who've done that they've sold everything they've bought some kind of like mobile home and they're living out of it and it's always like yeah we're having such a great time the kids are like Fucking camera goes off, they just burst yeah. into tears. Kids, kids are just like feral little beasts who are used to <laughs> shitting in bushes in like in service stations. And it's just like, yeah, like guess parts of it are cool, but a lot of it is is absolute shite. Yeah. Well, so I think if you can have a little balanced view on it, you probably would enjoy it. But if you think it's gonna be 
the be all and end all and the dream, I think you might be uh, in for a shock. I think, yeah, Joshua, I mean, please go for it and let us know. Yeah, um, let us know. We've absolutely torn your bucket list apart. <laughs> <laughs> just, re- just realized. But, yeah. You know, Instagram isn't everything. You know, Instagram, we lived in a van for a month in Yosemite and, uh, well, that was essentially a minibus with seats and it was pretty pretty basic but yeah it's not all it's cracked up for going to starbucks to go to the toilet every two and a half hours <laughs> that's not normal <laughs> no it's not we were pretty scared <laughs> um but also so i put uh just so on trend at the moment i'm sure everyone's heard of uh you know the ai revolution and chat gpt3 and everything like that um but i asked uh chat gpt3 a the question you know write me a bucket list adventure that would include seeing the world and i actually think it's come back with the thing that i feel like is the ultimate van life but way better and that is it's come back with circumnavigating the globe by sailboat this adventure would take you on a journey around the world on a boat stopping at some of the most remote and beautiful destinations on earth You would need to be physically fit, mentally prepared for long stretches at sea and have a sense of adventure. You'd also need to learn how to sail and navigate. The experience of seeing the world from a different perspective, the feeling of freedom and adventure and the memories you'd make would be truly unforgettable. Madness. To be fair. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) Yeah. Chuck it on the website. I'm in. (laughs) Now, I feel like that the sailing kind of life, like for a bucket list, it is probably the one yeah because you know there is full-on adventure in there you're crossing oceans like it's it's gonna get pretty risque at times you're not just driving down the m32 looking for a campsite you are like in the mixer and the places you can get to just on your own steam just by wind you know you go to the fiji islands you go to you know australasia then sail across the south america like it's pretty legit isn't it very much so. I, I think in a similar vein, it's a uh, and a bit of a cash cow, a bit of a... Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's, it's a bit of a money pit, so. isn't it? Way more so. Yeah. You know, you get, you know, you, you're teary and you're in the Canary Islands. You get a puncture wound in your boat. That is not an easy fix. I think it's... Uh, yeah. It, it would be insane, though. Absolutely insane. And that's like all encompassing you know you have to pretty much be on it even if there's a couple of you you've got jobs to do the whole time i can't imagine it's boring you know maybe maybe like a crossing like the atlantic might be boring because you're two weeks or whatever you're three weeks but if you can go from port to port you know island hopping and you've had money to go for a nice meal when you got there whatever it is it would probably be one of the greatest ways to spend your time so when uh, I went sailing, this, uh, when was it? March last year um, in the BVIs. And we met a couple of families, but there was one British family who were right next to us in, in a port. And it was the day that they were, they just sold their boat and they were getting off the boat after spending four years on it with their two young kids. Kids are probably 10 and six. Yeah. These two British kids, these two young lads, they've got like, bright blonde hair the tan on the lads was unbelievable and they had literally grown up on this boat so the family they they'd literally they just had jobs in london sold their house in london bought this boat and spent four years just sailing around the world 
and we were there like they they were all crying and stuff because they were they were like leaving their home and they were going back to the UK to put the kids into school but like I was just watching these kids like they know like that's all they know really but they they can like sail properly yeah, yeah. sail they've seen like everything from like storms like the caribbean they went all over the world like what a mental childhood to have yeah just insane the swimming with dolphins and turtles and seeing sharks and fishing and surfing absolutely insane i mean they're gonna get bullied to shit when they arrive but don't worry about it so say, can it. they knock a drop goal over from 22 yeah. so here why are you so brown on it? it's like wham it's like, oh god <laughs> damn it so, but I've, I've hunted i've hunted in the ocean it's like oh, whatever you nerd yeah that is the, the british bully will always win he'll always yeah. find a weakness until he gets to about 20 and then his apprenticeship runs out and he's got no job and no money yeah, exactly and yeah. three kids already <laughs> um, so yeah that's just the, what seems to be very the very british thing to do but uh, yeah so oh, look, there goes one now <laughs> <laughs> oh there he is walking um, by yeah I, I would actually i would actually like to do that i think if the boat again you need a nice boat yeah not a little rust bucket you need like a decent boat with you know a nice a gin deck on it and stuff like that wow basically, just a big power boat basically Leonardo DiCaprio is what we're saying yeah, yeah exactly you need a yeah, you do need a big one. Right. On to the next. Quickly. We're gonna look back. We're gonna come with one little one little memory, something that we've thought about. What we're doing, um, for the listeners and the viewers is we're going back through our camera roll of seven years of adventures, uh, whether that's in a pub, on a night out, or on the ocean or up a mountain, whatever it is, and we'll we'll come back to it. We'll have a quick reminisce about it and then um and then we'll move on but it's just just a good excuse for us to really you know flip back through the photo book th- flip back through the albums and uh resurface some uh some funny times so right you you go this week we'll do one each week you go okay this week. okay like it i'm actually going to go to stockholm and swede uh got back from the row in 2016 we decided we were going to leave our jobs um, which in hindsight is a, was a bold move, like yeah. mainly Stupid. because we had nothing. We had no money in the bank. We had n- very little prospect, <laughs> very low skill set. <laughs> no, but we, uh, all we had literally was this changed perspective from the row and this like new mindset that was just like, yeah, why not? Let's leave yeah. our jobs. And the first thing that we did, I think we left our job, we must have finished in about June time, was it? And we just went, the week after, we went to Sweden on a kayaking trip, um, which was amazing. Um, we spent a week, you know, they've got the right to roam law over there, which means that you can pitch up and camp anywhere uh, totally legally for one night and then you got to move on to the next place trying to encourage like this outdoor living this outdoor lifestyle which is amazing Scotland does it as well um, it's but just, it's Scotland yeah it just rains all the time um, so we, we spent the the week going around Stockholm you know I guess it's it was a Stockholm archipelago wasn't it and um, in the tent it was amazing and then we made a mad decision on, on the last night we had an early flight out from the not stockholm airport that is still somehow called stockholm airport but it's about two hours away on a bus um we had an early flight and we made the decision to 
uh, not get a hotel and instead just go out on the sesh. Um, and just just a learning, just a lesson from us. Is that's just a terrible, terrible idea, especially in the most expensive city in the world. That was the thing. Our rationale was because we literally had no money, and uh, it was like, okay, rather than spend loads of money on a hotel, we'll just we'll just go out and we'll stay out and we'll just get on the bus. You know, shock horror. We ended up in some fucking cocktail bar. It was like 15 quid a cocktail. So we ended up spending probably three times the amount of a hotel room. Got on that bus. We were absolutely wankered. <laughs> lost, our, lost our tickets for the bus. I, sw- I, don't, I swear we must have eaten them. I don't know how we lost them. They were in our pocket. Bus driver's like, where's your ticket? I was like, I don't know. Oh, my God. I then just began to just slightly, the hangover kicked in, like, as we were taking off, basically. Yeah, ah, it was tragic. So if if you're uh if you're just listening on Spotify or something, if head over to YouTube or if you're watching it on YouTube, you'll see some of the pictures from <laughs> said night, uh, and it was a, a bit of a a bit of a spiral of uh of desperation, just trying to got to the end. We were just trying to find the next open place, really, and uh obviously things are shutting as we're making our way slowly to the bus station but uh a good time good time to be had the the train from stansted to liverpool street was uh one of the lowest points of my life i think (laughs) and uh contemplated suey a few times (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah obviously here to tell the tale so yeah we'll look forward to uh to to hearing your reminiscent story uh and what you find in your camera roll next week Love it, love it. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for joining again. The consistency remains, and we'll see you next week for another round. Nice one. Peace out. Cheers, Ciao. guys. Ciao.